the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. This is Cassie. And this is Jesse, And you are listening to Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. I am your host with the most. And ladies, if you don't like a guy who takes home six figures a year, Hasbro's that is, I'll ghost ya. I am your host, Lee Walker. Joining me today is... uh, I am your video tech guru, the adorable one, Alex Todd. And you can check all that content of Perched Gaming out at Perched on the Top Rope on YouTube. Al, what an incredible week of wrestling there was. I didn't get to talk about some things that happened because I didn't have anyone to bounce ideas off of. You and Rob were unable to do a show with me on Thursday. I want to jump right into MJF. Oh, my God. Okay, that promo was absolutely crazy and the things that he said fans were everyone was thinking he was completely out of character that we were seeing a completely different side and I agreed at one point there were fans cheering for him as he was lashing out at CM Punk his hero even talking about meeting him and this and that we even posted the photo of them on Facebook uh, and Instagram. But the the big thing there was the fans cheering. And then when CM Punk came out, the fans cheered for him. Mm-hmm. But then when the music died down, there were some boos. I got WrestleMania 13, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret the Hitman Hart vibes. Because Bret Hart walked into that match a face and walked out the heel as Stone Cold walked in the heel and Stone Cold walked out the face because of the whole sharpshooter incident and Bret wouldn't let go and Ken Shamrock had to, you know, force Bret off. That's what I got from that promo. What was your perspective? Uh, I can I can definitely see you coming from that angle because we saw a different side of MJF this past Wednesday. Um, there, like you said, when the crowd died down, there were some people that were actually starting to boo him, and you would have to imagine that there are other people out there that actually legitimately do feel the way that MJF described Punk leaving WWE in 2014. Um, you know whether. MJF meant it and was sincere in the promo or not, there are people out in the audience and people at home that are going to, that's actually going to strike a nerve with them. There's a lot of people that felt like he just up and left when he left in 2014. I was one of those people. Uh, You know, I've always been a huge CM Punk fan. Um, I was one of those people that was kind of heartbroken when he left in 2014. He was the best thing on television. He was one of my favorites. And then he was just gone. So um, if this is the route that they're going with the storyline and MJF is turning into a baby face and CM Punk is turning heel, AEW has to make sure to go through with it because if not, um, there's going to be a lot of fans that are probably going to be upset that you 
had Punk come out and basically get booed by people for no reason. Um, however, I personally, and we said this off, off camera, off screen, um, that I do think that's the way it's going. I don't see them turning Punk heel just yet. I think uh, the money is still there as him in a babyface role, only because his return is so fresh still. Uh, I think you I think you throw out the possibility of a lot of sales and merch at that point. I just knowing how MJF character is to you, you and I have met MJF in person, <laughs> even when the show isn't going and we're just there talking to him as regular human beings, like no kayfabe at all. Um he's still a dick. <laughs> he called you fat once. Remember? Called me a fat bastard, actually. Yeah. So, um, like that's him in real life too, so how am I supposed to believe that he's all of a sudden just this Wednesday out of nowhere has completely changed is a new MJF much more likely to happen in my opinion as that this is going to build to a segment between he and punk where punk is actually going to let his guard down and punk's probably going to believe MJF and then MJF's going to beat the living shit out of him. Like he did, he's the best heel that we have in AEW right now. And I think, also, if you turn him into a babyface, I think you're losing the biggest heel in the company right now. So I think you're going to have some people that are upset. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. I I don't see them doing a switcheroo just yet. I agree. And see, the only thing I disagree with is I definitely think you could have MJF over as a face but have him over as, like, the face of the company. Because have him do what he's doing now, and he just does it to the heels. Right. I'm not saying that he, he can't be a babyface. I absolutely think that there is the opportunity there. But there's nobody there that's ready to take his spot as the top heel in the company just yet. No, he's way too good. At, like, he is their top heel. Right. No if ands, buts about it. Right. I mean, you can you can probably give Adam Cole some time and he'll be up there. Um, problem being that, you know, he's been in a lot of joke storylines since he's shown up in the company. But with him being in this uh, storyline with Hangman Adam Page right now, that does him some help. I do think Adam Cole could take that spot at another point soon, but at this point in time, you lose a lot in reference to top heel status if you turn MJF into a babyface. And you know, I'm glad you brought up Adam Cole with Hangman Page. How do you feel about Page's AEW Championship run right now? I'm personally glad that he became champion because if not, the past two years of storytelling have been all for nothing. Ever since AEW was incepted, their plan was for a hangman, Adam Page, to be the golden boy. He was going to be the biggest homegrown talent, the biggest first homegrown talent to come out of AEW, similar to AJ Styles and his run in TNA. Um, so, like, it, obviously, he had to win. I'm glad that he won. I don't like that they haven't allowed him to compete a lot since he won the title. I think it does his some disservice. I think it does then the people that face him and lose after a disservice because they're just showing up to lose to somebody who hasn't wrestled on TV in weeks. And this isn't to the fault of Hangman Adam Page. Um, I think Tony Khan's got to figure out what they're doing. I know he's trying to get a lot of other storylines on TV, but above overall, you have to make time for your world champion. That is number one priority in any wrestling company 
even if you're trying to raise other titles, other storylines, world champion needs to be the number one focus. And it hasn't been since Hangman Adam Page won the title. And that's not fair to him, and it also diminishes his run as world champion. I would definitely say there's definitely some diminishing involved because I consider it a lackluster, like he's even talked about on TV. Mm-hmm. And then finally we see him, you know, Lance Archer comes out and attacks him, right? Then, you know, then they had their match and everything. Not a bad match, but you can tell they're just like kind of biding their time with him waiting for something big to happen Mm -hmm. or someone big for him to face and adam cole being the new guy coming in yeah we'll have him face him whether adam cole is the guy to take the title off him or not that's another story but i don't know i feel like no matter what happens after adam cole something big has to happen if you continue to keep hangman as the champion Yes, and I agree that that could happen, too, because um, while most of his title run has been lackluster, Adam Page has been on fire for, like, the last two weeks, at least in AEW, throughout these um, these segments with Adam Cole. It's brought in a lot of good out in him in this storyline and in his time as world champion so far, and I even texted you about this on Wednesday after the events that transpired where Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish won the Tag Team Battle Royal earlier this week, I have a feeling we're in for a Young Bucks babyface turn, and instead of getting Kenny in the Bucks versus the Undisputed Era, the Paragon, whatever you want to call them, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, um, instead of getting the Elite against them, I honestly think we're going to get Hangman Adam Page and the Young Bucks versus Cole, O'Reilly, and Fish, and I'm totally down for that because... The Young Bucks, in my opinion, have been treading as heels. And I think they do better as being a babyface team. So I I think they need to take this momentum that Hangman Adam Page has had for like the last two weeks, and they need to keep it rolling if he does defend his title successfully against Adam Cole. All right, yeah. I dig that. Now, also on the same show for Dynamite this week... We had a debut of a very someone, little special, someone that we, uh, you know, had on YouTube.com slash Perched on the Top Rope interviews. Someone joined, not just making their AEW debut, but welcome to the House of Black, Buddy Matthews. Yeah, um, a move that you and I personally knew has been coming for a long time. If you go to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope, there is a snippet of the interview that Lee did with Buddy Matthews slash Buddy Murphy, where when he brings up Malachi Black and his history with him, Buddy Murphy says that they're destined to keep doing this together. And basically, without officially saying it to us, he confirmed, all but confirmed, that he was going to AEW. And, And we knew this months and months and months ago. But it's, it was so nice to see him show up on TV finally. One of the most underrated wrestlers in the world, in my opinion, right now. I told you maybe about 20, 30 minutes ago that I think Buddy Matthews is one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. And now that he's in AEW, I want a dream match of Buddy Matthews versus Kenny Omega. That's all I want right now. That is, above all, the number one dream match that I want to see on TV. 
I think we'll get that in due time. Um, you know, when the when the lights went out and there he was just standing there watching Malachi like on the ground. I I had seen photos, like someone like mashed the, the two photos together of that image and then above um before they were both released. Malachi Black as Alistair, you know, uh-huh. legs crossed and everything on the ground and Matthews had slid into the ring and was like staring at him. It was like the coolest thing to see. And to be able to to see that they're going to, you know, obviously do something together, you know, being part of the obviously with Matthews now in the House of Black. It was really cool to actually go back and watch the interview and hear him talk about how uh, there was unfinished business. So right. fans, go check that out, youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. God, it was an awesome show. Oh, I totally agree. And not to mention, too, that with Buddy Matthews joining the House of Black, obviously that means that they're cohorts right now. But as all teams in professional wrestling go, they break up eventually, which means that Malachi Black and Buddy Matthews are going to be on opposite sides again. And having seen the babyface potential that Buddy Matthews slash Buddy Murphy had when he was on SmackDown with the Mysterios and whatnot, when they were doing that storyline and the fans were cheering him like crazy, just knowing that you could have Malachi Black turn on Buddy Matthews at some point, Buddy Matthews could easily be one of the top baby faces of AEW in the future as well. Yeah. I like that. I want to see his heel work. I want to see both. You know, we got a little bit of a taste of it. But that was like with him with Seth Rollins, and then they had him by himself, and then they put him back with Seth Rollins real quick, and then he was like gone from the company. You know? Mm-hmm. So I want to see the heel work, but we're getting a different heel because the House of Black is much darker than what Seth Rollins was doing at that time. I like it. You know? So we're going to see a, a different side of his heel that we haven't seen yet. You know, we, we know what he can do as a baby face. Mm-hmm. But we'll see this, and then out of this, we'll blossom a monster face that we have not seen from Buddy Matthews or anything of the likes in a long time. What's interesting about this, too, and this will be the last thing I say on this topic, is how when Aleister Black left WWE with his eye patch and then showed up as Malachi Black on AEW with the eye injury still, he continued that storyline and going into AEW, the one thing I want to pay attention to and I want to see if they touch on at all at any point is that if you remember correctly, Buddy Matthews was part of that group that messed up his eye. So are they going to talk about it at some point? Is that's what is that what's going to have you know Malachi Black eventually turn on Buddy Matthews in the future? I just want to see between companies how kayfabe they will be and how continuous they will be with the storyline because they already have with keep bringing his eye injury and i want to see if they touch on any more of it with buddy matthews being involved so i think this is the top storyline that i'm actually most interested in, in AEW right now i really think they will but i think they'll put it in their style of a twist compared to how wwe would have done it right so that'll be the interesting thing too to is to see what the difference is there as to 
how they'll go about doing it. Because you know WWE would completely do it in a different way than how AEW is going to do it because Matthews and Black are going to have a lot more input than what they would if it was WWE, which will be really exciting to see. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited for what AEW's doing right now. Yeah, same. Um, let's switch it up a little bit. Let's talk about WWE. We haven't you know done any of that yet. You know we you know we had SmackDown and we're seeing more matches being set up for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen now Sami Zayn wanting to celebrate becoming the Intercontinental Champion. You know, winning it against Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a celebration, and who came out, Al? Johnny Knoxville! Not gonna lie, I'm, I'm digging the, you know, weird-looking sweater, 50-style, you know, want to go to the malt shop and get a milkshake kind of vibe I'm getting. Mm-hmm. You know? Looks like he came straight out of the movie Grease. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. I'm digging it. Uh, you know, I, I hope they uh, bring back Cherry, you know, the... Oh, from Deuce Deuce and Domino, Domino. yeah. Yeah. He needs them to, like, come out with him. That'd be really, really interesting. Especially for that look, it'd be awesome. Uh, (laughs) But um, he interrupts, and, you know, they're clearly setting up a WrestleMania match. Al, what would you do if Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania 38 became the WWE Intercontinental Champion. Um, I don't know if I'd be upset because it's not a wrestler holding it, or if I would mark out because I watched Jackass a whole lot growing up as a kid. And to be honest, I watched Jackass before I started watching WWE, so this is a hard one for me, because this is two different parts of my childhood that I really like and, and don't want a non-wrestler holding the title but it's johnny knoxville so i'm i'm very distraught (laughs) okay al do you remember when we interviewed vince russo i do okay do you remember when uh with vince russo i'd asked the question about why fans to this day are upset that david arquette was won the WCW championship, but you don't hear a lot of fans heckling about Vince Russo being the WCW champion. Yeah. And you can find that interview at youtube.com slash perched on the top rope. The point being, if Knoxville were to win the Intercontinental Champion at WrestleMania 38, you're going to have fans be happy you know, you know, for the moment, the hardcore fans that are in all the Facebook groups on Twitter, reading the dirt sheets, this and that. You mean like us? Yeah, a lot of them are going to be furious. Oh yeah, because of how much it's going to diminish the value of the Intercontinental Championship, especially when a guy like the Miz was so, like someone who completely. You know, that's like his his championship thing. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Cody when Cody had it. You know, when it was the the prestigious old white style from the early Cody, 90s. Cody brought the, the white title back. Yeah, because he wanted to bring the prestigiousness back to it. When guys like, 
you know, Kurt Henning and things like that held it. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were, there was moments like that, but you are going to have a lot of upset fans. That you are. You know, I'm going to be one of them, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Especially seeing the work that had gone into it. And then if you go back on Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. or Spotify, anywhere you can find Perched on the Top Rope, and you listen to episode 59 with myself and Kyle mm-hmm. from Smacked Raw's The Rewind, right. he spits out some incredible facts about The Miz being the Intercontinental Champion that I had no idea. It's absolutely crazy. Well, I even said to you the other day, you and I were talking about the IC title. I can't remember why we brought it up, but I I personally told you that, in my personal opinion, I think that The Miz is one of, if not the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. And I know that's going to anger a lot of people because there's guys like uh, Chris Jericho that had more reigns and there's guys that had longer reigns as intercontinental champion too and all the respect in the world to those guys too but i feel like the miz has been more passionate about that championship and the way he speaks about it the way he just dresses to himself when champion the way he presents himself as the intercontinental champion i don't think we've ever seen somebody that cares as much as the Miz does for that championship, and I think that's why he did make that title so much more prestigious during the time that he was holding it. Absolutely. And The Miz, actually, when it comes to those records that Kyle had talked about, he's really close to breaking two. This is not one of them, but could you see the WWE having The Miz retire in breaking the Honky Tonk Man's record for single longest reign no i don't think so and it's not anything on the miz it's not even anything on the entire roster generally with the exception of maybe the universal title reign that roman reigns is currently in the middle of we don't see title reigns that last a super long time anymore and i think that is going to affect it more than anything. And you also have to remember, a lot of these guys had longer title reigns back then because they weren't wrestling on TV as much as the current roster is now. So it was easier for them to have longer title reigns. If we put the title on someone for that long a time nowadays, everyone would get bored with it and they'd start booing everything they do. So I don't see The Miz breaking that one. Okay. Um, I just thought that would be something interesting to want to know. But that wasn't the only match or segment on SmackDown that set up for another WrestleMania match. Sasha Banks and Naomi. Could you see them seemingly take on Carmella and Zelina Vega at WrestleMania for the Tag Team Championship? Yeah, um, it does seem like they're kind of throwing it together somewhat last second, but I feel like they're doing that with a lot of matches this year. Uh, I think that could be either a good opening match for the show, or it could even be a good, solid pre-show match. Nothing against any of the women. It just kind of seems like it's a throw-together match. And if it ends up being higher on the card than that, good for you ladies. Happy for you. Not a dig at you, I promise. Um, The one thing I don't like about this match being set up, because I went back and I watched this segment on SmackDown, 
And if they do challenge for the titles at Mania, I hope they touch on this. There wasn't even one mention of the fact that these women had actually teamed together before. They were part of Team Bad with Tamina. That was how Sasha Banks got brought to the main roster. And you can easily, if you're putting them into a WrestleMania match, give them that backstory because that's something that the fans can invest in into that match going in, and it won't be just a throwaway match. If you add some storyline into it and use some of their history, then you actually stand a chance of people being more entertained by this match and being more invested in it. So touch on that history that Sasha, Sasha Banks and Naomi have. Even have them get some merch going again, because that'll make them money, too. If people are invested in this new babyface version of this team, and they put out merch, that'll make them money. I'd buy the shirt. I loved them as part of Team Bad when they were doing it originally. So put a little backstory behind it and fuck it. Send it to WrestleMania and have them win. You know, I completely forgot about that. Exactly. Because that's how they brought in, I believe, like three out of the four horsewomen. Mm -hmm. They stabled them. Yep. Man, I completely forgot about that. All in one segment. That was how they brought in Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte. Yes, yes. Oh, man. Man, I can't believe I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. That would that would be great actually. Now that now that you think of, now that you say that, that would be a perfect way. So my next question would be, is that match happens at WrestleMania? Who's the tag team that wins? Sasha Banks and Naomi. They haven't pushed Zelina and Carmella enough, in my opinion. However, Zelina still got like the the Queen's crown, like the equivalent to King of the Ring going. So. I think in this instance, you have to have Carmella take the pin, which I think could actually work if you want to push further stars. You make Carmella take that loss, and you push her character in somewhere different, a different direction that she hasn't gone before, because this new Carmella is not working that they have tried since, you know, changing her Staten Island gimmick up. But send her down like a darker alley, but like losing at WrestleMania, that's the perfect reset button. So you have her take the pin. It doesn't affect Zelina. Naomi and Sasha walk out with the titles, and then you you recreate Carmella, and everybody wins. See, the perfect way to do that would be having that reality show, and on like the last week, like at main, like ends at Mania type deal for season one. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, if that's airing and they you know, then she's got to wait till that finishes airing to right. do anything type deal. Because mm-hmm. um, now they've got a, a new reality show on YouTube, her and uh, Corey Graves. Which is, like, very TVMA, yeah. by the way. If you've seen any of the previews for that, they are not PG at all. So any fans out there with kids, don't let your kids watch that show. Okay, duly noted. I haven't even, like, really caught anything about it. Besides... It's, like, it's like sex comments the entire time oh, okay. of the preview so That's far. Cool. So, I mean, it's it's something, like, different for the adults who, you know, have been watching WWE. It's different than Total Divas, Total Bellas. It's something closer, probably, towards, like, the Ruthless Aggression Era type. Okay. You know, but, uh, yeah, no, what you were saying, too, that's got to wrap up there in order for her to do that. And then you could even push Zelina into the Raw Women's title picture after Mania. So they split them all up, and everybody wins. So I, I'm going to say Sasha Banks and Naomi leave. WrestleMania with the women's tag team titles. Okay. And L, are you ready for a... Oh, you didn't know? ERS better call somebody! Yes, I am. 
if this match happens at WrestleMania and Sasha Banks and Naomi do win, this would be Sasha Banks' first WrestleMania win. She is currently 0-6 at WrestleMania. You know, I hate to ruin your game on the first episode, but I did know that, unfortunately. However, I was really hoping Sasha Banks would have eventually just do like a reverse Undertaker and just lose every Mania match. I'm kidding. I love Sasha Banks, and I hate that statistic. I got nothing on that, to be honest with you. I, uh, Fair enough. It was actually a, a, a stat I looked up and, and saw it today, and it, I was like, wait a second, holy crap. But it is what it is. So it would be her first WrestleMania win, and uh, I would say out of the four horsewomen, it would f- you'll finally be deserved for her you know, oh, to yeah. win a WrestleMania match. Yeah, considering that the other three have all won WrestleMania matches before. Charlotte's won multiple. Becky's won the first ever women's main event at WrestleMania. And Bailey's won two matches at WrestleMania, defending titles both times. Yeah. So, that just makes sense. Yeah. Just makes sense. Now, now, do you remember when Richard Holiday said he wanted to be the face of MLW? I do. It looks like we're getting that. He recently attacked Alexander Hammerstone with Alicia Toot mm-hmm. in the ring. And, you know, held up the championship. Right, yeah. You know, so you remember when we did the interview with him? Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it got me thinking that when we were doing that interview, they've been dating this whole time. Yeah, yeah, because they, like, made out in the ring after that attack. Like, hardcore. Oh, yeah. But... There's parts of the interview, remember, we did not release, mm-hmm. and it was more of when we talked about the segments of him and Alicia, and even how Serena De La Renta felt with Alicia, even though they have like an OnlyFans now together, mm-hmm. um, the vibes I was getting was like, okay, okay, sneaky, sneaky. So, essentially... Dynasty's broken up now in mm-hmm. MLW, so it se- it seems as though we are getting that transition for Richard Holiday to become the face of MLW, which I'm okay with. His coffee is really really good. Everybody should try it if you like strong coffee. This is I don't say it's good coffee. This is great quality coffee. Hands down. This is coming from a guy who had his gallbladder taken out and uh, shouldn't be drinking coffee to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. But I'm fine. I drink coffee and I'm fine. I drink that coffee and I'm fine. So, anyway. It seems like we're going to get Hammerstone versus Richard Holiday. Hammerstone is a really, really big dude. So, Al, who would you pick to win? Hammerstone or Holiday? So, in theory, I would want to say that I would pick Holiday to win the match because, obviously, he's the big heel that needs to be built up. But being a jackass, I'm going to say Leo Rush. Well, for those of you who do not know at home, Leo Rush is re-signed with MLW. 
Yeah. Uh, obviously, his AEW run didn't go so well. Uh, obviously, his WWE run did not go so well. His NXT run did not go so well. So hopefully, this MLW run does go well. If not, I would have to say Leo Rush has what I call the Austin Aries treatment. Yeah, Austin Aries, ever since he left Impact in like 2014-ish, hasn't really done so hot with a lot of wrestling companies. Uh, You know, he didn't do well with WWE. His return back to Impact didn't go so great either. So hopefully it doesn't go the same for Leo Rush. He's a very talented individual, and I really hate for him to have to keep bouncing around from company to company. I've been watching him since he was doing matches for Ring of Honor in New Japan before he was signed to WWE, so I've followed his career for a while now, and I just want to see the man succeed. I got one last thing I want to touch up on, and that is with Sean Ross Sapp, I've heard refer to the Jeff Hardy treatment. Finn Balor seems to be in that sort of spotlight now of what Jeff Hardy is. Jeff Hardy would come in, get his pops, feud with someone, lose the feud, lose the matches, go away, come back, gets the big pop, sells the merch, gets the five figures because he's in the top ten of most WWE elites out there. Loses matches, goes away. Uh-huh. Now Jeff Hardy's gone. But we've been seeing that with Finn Balor lately. Finn Balor comes in, loses some matches. They throw him a bone, you know, because seemingly seems like they have to. You know, he loses to a lower mid-card talent. Or, you know, beats a, a lower mid-card talent. Uh-huh. But the main person he's in a feud with, he loses. Uh-huh. Then he goes away for a little while comes back and it's the same thing over again because he gets the pops. Mm-hmm. Let me... Do you see it that way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, almost thought it was going to be different this time he came up to the main roster because of how successful his most previous NXT run was. But it didn't take that long to where they just went back to the same old... Um, trying to hold down Finn Balor pattern that they did last time he was on the main roster. And honestly, if they don't change their treatment towards him soon, he's going to be another talent that you're absolutely going to see leave and go to another company. He's not going to, he is not going to stick around. He is one of the best wrestlers on the planet. And I know I said that about Buddy Matthews earlier too, but there's, you know, there's more than one person in that category. Finn Balor is one of the best on the planet. And he's being held down right now, and he's not going to accept that. He's got a lot of friends over in AEW. He could go there. He's got a lot of friends in New Japan. He could go there. You better change how you treat him soon before he's gone and makes a lot of money for another company. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree. I, uh, especially with the thing that AEW is doing right now, bringing in Jay White, Bullet Club guy. Mm-hmm. You know, We just saw, you know, couple of Bullet Club guys get kicked out. Yeah, one well, of the originals, Tama Tonga, was kicked out along with Tonga Loa. Grills of Destiny are no longer in the Bullet Club, and it seems like we're slowly building to a massive Bullet Club angle between Impact and possibly AEW if they end up including the Elite at some point. They've been taking a lot of shots at each other on online, too, and you got to wonder where uh, Gallows and Anderson's loyalty lies, too. But you see Finn Balor leave the company, 
what's to say he doesn't jump into that storyline and make it ten times more interesting? And then, once again, Bullet Club is the most talked about thing in professional wrestling. Yeah, and don't forget, you have Bullet Club members that are signed to Impact with Chris Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could see a whole intertwining again all, all over again with that. And how do you feel when people, you know, with the, with the Bullet Club that, when all the big names were gone and we were back to, you know, Tama Tonga, the originals, and then, you know, adding some people, this is something that I think the Bullet Club needs, you know, to, to get that notoriety back to where it once was when they had the names of uh, AJ Styles and, and... Prince Devitt, formerly, yes. before he was uh, Finn Balor. Oh, and you also got to realize, too, Finn Balor does leave and get involved in the single. Finn Balor created Bullet Club. That is his faction. Finn Balor is the original leader and original founder of Bullet Club. So if he leaves WWE, that's the first storyline I feel like he's going to take part of. That's his baby. I like it. But what if... I'll put my twist on this. Okay. What if he leaves... You know, it all all comes down to the contracts and this and that and and whatever storyline could be going on at that time. Say he leaves WWE. Mm -hmm. The Bullet Club's got this big thing going. You know, AEW, New Japan, Impact's involved. But instead of being the one to come in to, quote, I guess, like, save it from, like, a whole intertwining blow-up, he's the one that goes in to destroy it and there's no more Bullet Club. That could be fun, too. I think either one of those storylines could be a fun time to watch. Our next show should just be, like, theories, because you and I always have, like, when it comes to them, like, the most, I don't want to say wild theories, but, like, we have two totally different perspectives on how how things can happen. But it's also funny, because if you've ever noticed that months or even years into the future there's a lot of times that we've called it ahead of time before people even thought about it oh yeah absolutely so i mean i would definitely be down to do a show where we just literally talk about theories we could have the fans we could have you guys vote on it we could do an overall poll of like maybe four or five options we could have them vote on it and then you and i just go at it one of these episodes absolutely perfect ladies and gentlemen I know that on episode 60, I said that Gary Michael Capetta, former ring announcer from WWWF, WWF, WCW, AWA, NWA, and even part of Ring of Honor and AEW, would be part of tonight's show. We do have some editing to do. That show will be out next Sunday with GMC. However, throughout the week, you will be able to go to YouTube Perched on the Top Rope and catch snippets of the full interview on our YouTube page. Al, I think you know what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us at Facebook at Perched on the Top Rope. You can find us on Twitter. Shoot us a tweet at Perched Top Rope. If you want to see some cool pictures that we post, go to our Instagram page and check out Perched on the Top Rope podcast. Very soon... Within the next couple weeks on the weekends, I will start streaming again on our Twitch channel, which you can find us at Perched on the Top Rope. Perch Gaming will be taking its place back at live streaming on Twitch. You can find us where you can find all podcasts. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Amazon, anything else that you listen to podcasts on, you can find us. And if you can't, shoot us a message and we'll get it set up. And Lee, talk to the fans for a minute. Fans, this podcast has been doing fantastic, and that is all because of you and those who help us get Unchartable's Top 250 in USA, Great Britain, Ireland, Germany, and Canada. We thank you. We also want to thank other countries who have been listening to us, such as Japan, Brazil, Netherlands, Australia, and India. We thank you. Fans, remember... Spoiler freeze, the way to be, we're out.